You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I, I'll be honest with you. I needed, yo, real talk. I needed some retail therapy this summer. A couple things. Didn't, yeah, whoever had needed some retail therapy. You know, okay, if you don't know what retail therapy is, you don't find out because you will go broke. <laughs> okay. Um, this wasn't anything fancy. It was just on Amazon. It came up on like, hey, suggested items, right? And I was really bummed one day. My wife and daughter were sick. I'm like laying on the couch. And I'm like, yo, I'm getting this. And I'm rocking it. And in my mind, I was like, I'm speaking and redeem the, the, uh, the end of the summer. We're rocking this for the last message. I get to speak and redeem to close the summer out. Um, and uh, so, yes. So, but I, it, I love it. And so it was like, it was like 40 bucks on Amazon. Get, they had like a, all sorts of sets. Might be getting another one. Who see, who knows? Um, but let's dive into this. We've uh, been going through this series for uh, several weeks now, talking about uh, this, the, the unexpected, the maybe the things that happen in Scripture in the Bible that you didn't think would happen in the Bible, that you didn't know would happen in the Bible. So I remember when Liz, Kurt, Marty, and I were sitting and chatting, and this idea came up, and Marty had all these crazy ideas. It was awesome. And I had a bunch of ideas, and we kicked around a few. And as I was preparing to get ready to add my two cents, um, I was reminded of this idea. And really, this is kind of a, a universal American church thing, right? A lot of times, we view the Bible one way, and really the Bible should be viewed not just that one way, but a few other ways. And I thought the best way I could really describe that to you is to kind of give you the comparison to me and my wife and our taste in movies, Okay, so I, I jumped on on Netflix and we have way too many streaming services. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say how many we have because y'all are going to think I don't do anything but watch TV. But like, I don't watch a lot of them, but we have them. Some we have for free. Praise God. Signed up for something. Got a year free of something. Anybody else do that? Like, I'm this guy. I signed up for a year for free. Sign me up. <laughs> like all these people have my email addresses. I'm getting all kinds of spam now, but I don't care. I got a free year of something. Um, but let me give you an idea. So I think a lot of us view the Bible as like, oh, love, peace, joy, yay. And it's kind of like my wife's Netflix watch list. Like I went through my wife's Netflix watch list and I went through mine. Let me give you my wife's. My wife's, one of her and her watch list. I told her I was going to do this, my wife Kendra. There's one show or movie called Love and Gelato. <laughs> this 2022 romantic comedy about a young American woman, her summer in Italy based on a novel by some artsy-fartsy writer. <laughs> or what about this, a cowgirl song? <laughs> After her father is wrongly arrested, an aspiring teen singer teams up with her grandmother, a country music legend, to raise bail money. <laughs> Purple Hearts, this one's actually a real popular Netflix one right now. An aspiring singer-songwriter commits uh, to marry, uh, to commit to a marriage of convenience, a Marine who is set to deploy. But when tragedy strikes and the unexpected happens, love. Like, that's the unexpected, love happened. So let's compare and contrast that to my Netflix watch history or watch list. The Final Score. A former CIA military operative must use his elite training to fight terrorists holding thousands of fans hostage in a soccer match in London. <laughs> and all the fellas said amen. <laughs> That's the men's prayer breakfast next week. We're watching the final score. <laughs> or chaos. 
a gang of bank robbers and dozens of hostages, or excuse me, uh, when a gang of bank robbers uh, take dozens of hostages during a heist, uh, the suspected Seattle cop, yes, took place in Seattle. I actually watched this one, I remember. Um, uh, tries to bring them back via f fighting and stuff blowing up. I don't know. <laughs> and I think a lot of times we view the Bible as kind of like my wife's Netflix account. It's all lovey-dovey, sweet, nice. But can I tell you something? I think another side of the Bible looks a little bit like my Netflix account. Real talk, it's, it ain't rated PG-13, okay? <laughs> Let's just put it that way. There's a lot of things happen in the Bible. Matter of fact, it was funny. I, I, I was, uh, there's a show I like to watch, and after I got done watching it on Hulu, I told you I have a lot of streaming services, it said recommended to me. Hey, recommended movies. You ever get that? Like, hey, after you watch this, you should watch this. Um, it said, we think you'll like the movie The Predator. And I'm like, Hulu, you, 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 you have very low expectations of me. I have watched that movie a great many times. Yes, you're very right in thinking I would like The Predator, but you're wrong thinking I haven't watched it yet. I have watched it a lot. Get to the chopper. I ain't got time to bleed. For those of you Predator fans out there, you know. You know, you know. But the Bible is beautiful because it's the story of God, this awesome, powerful, supernatural being outside of space and time, all loving, all powerful, connecting with finite, fallen, broken people. And when that's your bridge, that bridge is going to be really bumpy at times. That bridge is going to be beautiful at times. It's going to be wonderful and elegant at times. It's going to be a rough road at times. And so when we talk about these um, messages, these stories, these accounts in Scripture of God and humanity colliding on earth, sometimes it's going to be hard to believe. Sometimes it's going to be a guy who has a donkey that starts talking to him. Or sometimes it can be a dude who stands up and with a staff and makes a body of water split in two. Other times it's going to be a messiah that takes on the weight of the world and is beaten and broken and bruised and hung on a cross and is treated like a criminal, but then rose from the grave, you know? And so there's, a, there's an account in Scripture in the book of Acts that kind of touches on these things. It's in Acts 19. I'm going to read it, and then we'll dive into this. And I'm going to keep this succinct because I've had a lot of thoughts about this Scripture, I'll be honest. Probably every day I've, as I've been working on this sermon, a new thought has come to my mind. I, I, I had to really try to like kind of not, not um, I don't want to hold back the spirit of God and what scripture wants to share, but I want to also do have a crazy hyperactive imagination sometimes. Someone say, well, I can do this. I can do this. We can talk about this. We should do that. And so I want to make this kind of crystal clear moving forward. But Acts 19, verse 8. And he, Paul, the Apostle Paul, entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading uh, them about the kingdom of God. Paul is in Ephesus. If you uh, read the section headlines of the Bible, it says it's his third missionary journey. He comes here and the, the, the part we skipped over, verses 1 through 7, are really fun to read, but it's kind of some of that chunk of scripture we just had. For the sake of time, we had to cut out because we can get into a whole nother element of what happens in verses 1 through 7. But Paul shows up to Ephesus, 
and he's preaching the gospel. He's debating and reasoning. He's talking to the, the lowest of the low, the biggest of the big. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, verse 9. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, the way is what they called the Christians, the body of Christ. They were people of the way, Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. These are people who followed Jesus. So people started speaking ill of the way. Before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took his disciples, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. He continued to do this for two years. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. Wow, the Apostle Paul plants in a community. So now when you read the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter writing back to the church of Ephesus, this is where it all started. This is the beginning. This is the context of those letters. Verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons he touched or touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. This is crazy. I said, like, sometimes we think, oh, lovey-dovey, sweet, happy-go-lucky, but sometimes the Bible gets kind of wild. Like, I'm, I don't, yeah, like, yo, I'm going to tell you right now, you can take this home with you. You ain't getting healed of nothing. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I, this is clearly something amazing, something fascinating, something wonderful God is doing. And God met Paul over the course of basically two and a half years, two and a half years, two years and change. He started doing these amazing things as he preached the gospel. And then, verse 13, some itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of Jesus or invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So you've had this. So let me give some context here right now, and then I'll keep reading. Ephesus is, is, a, is a power bank. It is, it is, you know, Kurt has said it multiple times. Our team has said multiple times. Like, we're in the perfect position in the city of Lakewood. Ephesus was in the perfect position in this Asia region where it was the center of commerce. It was a civic center. It was a center of trade. It was a, a, a political, perfect spot. But it also was a place and a center and a power center for religious and mystic and supernatural ideas. And so Paul, when he positioned himself to plant something he didn't do, read throughout his missionary journeys. This is, this is pretty much the longest like single time he spent someplace by choice, okay? Paul plants himself in the center of the power, in the center of the conversation, in the center of the trade routes, in the center where everything is going on. He says, this is where I'm going to plant this is where I'm going to speak the word of the Lord because people from Tacoma, from Seattle, from Vancouver, from Portland, from Idaho, from Cali, everyone's going to come through here. So I'm going to plant myself here where everyone has their idea. Everyone has their religious structure. Everyone has their political structure. Everyone has their agenda. I'm going to plant myself in the epicenter and I'm going to let the Lord work through me and I'm going to teach and preach. I'm going to defend and uphold the gospel. And I'm going to represent Jesus. And you know what? Praise the Lord. The power and the mighty hand of God is going to move to the point where crazy things that we don't even plan on happening are going to happen. That's awesome. 
Paul just plants himself. He says, I'm not going to run from the discourse. I'm not going to run from the people who have other agendas. I'm not going to run from the people who have their own mystical arts and magic and witchcraft and all this other stuff. I'm going to be right there in the line of fire, and I'm going to go toe-to-toe with them a couple rounds. Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. You know what I mean? Jake Paul versus whoever he's fighting. Conor McGregor versus whoever he's fighting. I'm going to go toe-to-toe. Twelve rounds, me and them, us and them. And that's what Paul says he's going to do. And because he does it, amazing things happen. But there are these folks who are like, hey, yo, they think this mystical arts, because the reality is going on in this time, more context, on the spiritual religious side of things, you had folks who were, uh, maybe they were Jews, maybe they were Greeks, maybe there were a lot of different things. They would take their religious or mystical ideas and they would, like it says here in the scripture, they would think, oh, we're going to do this mystical, religious, you know, thing. We're going to like do my incantations, hocus pocus, Chris Angel, mind freak, whatever, you know, you want to talk about. We're going to do our thing here. And they thought, oh, now there's Paul, his apron, his shirt, his crazy Hawaiian outfit he bought on Amazon is touching folks. They're getting healed. We want some of that. We're going to just mix that in with what we're doing. So I go back and read. They would go around saying in verse 13, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims and seven sons of a Jewish high priest. I can never say this word. I always get it wrong. Sekva, Sikva, Seva, whatever. S-dog, whatever you want to call them. I have a list. Some words just mess me up. This is one of those ones. And his seven sons of Sekva said, they said, uh, they tried to do this in verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them. Yo, I told you this is going to get a little crazy. This ain't going to be PG-13. It says, all right, hold up, hold up. Man possessed by an evil spirit. They roll up with their little mumbo jumbo hocus pocus thinking they can take their idea, their power, their want, their desires mix it with a little bit of Jesus and Paul, and they're going to have some awesome cocktail that they can now feel like they are big and bad. And the demon-possessed man looks at him and says, hold up, G. Jesus I know. Paul we know. Who the heck are you? It's, it's, I can't even, this is, this is, this is crazy. Like, this is in scripture. This is like Marvel, uh, like Avengers, Endgame, DC Comics, crazy stuff. Like this is type of stuff that's, that, that you just you, you thought someone made up in some book, some Greek mythology. And then it goes on to say, the man who was possessed by the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered them, overpowered them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. I, I was doing some research and... Uh, someone quoted in a, a, a commentary I was reading, someone quoted Pastor Matt Chandler, if you know who that is. Uh, he said in a sermon that he preached on this. So I'm, I got to give him credit. I didn't come up with this. But he said, if you leave naked, you lost the fight. Like, just, just so you know right now. If the end result was you were beat up and naked, you lost the fight. There's no, and I, I had to. I, I was going to take that as my own joke, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Verse 17, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell on them. And the name of the Lord was extolled. 
And many of those who are now believers came confessing, divulging their practices. Did you catch that? There were some who were even believers. They were like, yo, we love Jesus, but we're kind of like into this other stuff here on the side. And a number of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them. It's like the 90s all over again. Who burned some CDs in the 90s if you grew up in church in the 90s? I may have gotten rid of a Wu-Tang Clan CD, but let's not talk about that. And some Biggie or whatever. Verse 19, and the value of all of them came to be about 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail upon them mightily. Now I just give some observations, just some thoughts that come to my mind. I just, I feel like when I get to share and teach, um, I love just to, to bring things to the table. Because quite frankly, it's not that Eddie has a corner on the market on the knowledge. You can buy some books, you can spend some time researching, you can spend some time digging through the word and find a lot of this stuff. But there are some things unique to my voice, my thoughts, like there would be things unique to your voice and your thought. I'll leave you a few observations that stand out to me. Number one, the supernatural is real. Let's go back to that verse 11 and 12, right? And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Handkerchiefs, aprons, things that touched his skin were taken away to the sick and the diseased. And they were healed and evil spirits came out of them. Like, I don't know if that's how the Lord's going to operate. I'll tell you right now, I don't think that's prescriptive, meaning the Lord's saying, this is how it should go moving forward. But I do think it's descriptive saying, when God wants to do something, he will do it however he deems necessary to do it. Like, it could happen a lot of ways. I could tell you some stories. I, I, I may have shared this story before. I'll share it once, um, one more time. I'll never forget. I wasn't even going to share this. Uh, I was at a winter camp. And without giving the whole backstory, but there was a young man named DJ. I can say his name because he shares the story. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was about three years ago. He and I talked about this. Uh, DJ, a young man who was in my youth group, uh, he and his wife, who was also in my youth group back then, Jasmine, crazy. Uh, they just had their third kids. They had twins. They had an older kid, and they just had two more kids, twins. I saw DJ standing while worship was going on, and I saw him kind of doing this thing, kind of looking around. Should I lift my hands up? Should I put my hands down? What should I do? And I'm standing off to the side, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, right? I don't know. God spoke to me. And God said, go get a towel. So the, the room we were in where we were meeting for this winter camp was like a, a really large cabin. So it's a large common area. And then there were rooms attached to the cabin. So the big common area, but then one of the bedrooms, like the guy's bedroom, if there was a door right there, could open that door and walk to the guy's bedroom. And I went into one of the bedrooms. I got a towel. I think it was clean. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord told me, put the towel over his face. Like, oh, this is weird. Okay, this is weird. Newsflash, folks, this only happened one time. So I put the towel over his face, and I cover him so he couldn't see anything on his left or his right. And I pull his head down so he just looked straight down. And I just started praying and prophesying. Oh, so the Lord doesn't want you to look around anymore. He doesn't want you to worry about what other people think about you. He just wants you to focus and worship him. That's it. Kid's gone on to be a worship leader, lead ministry. And he has told me multiple times that, like, he got over his fear of, like, trying to need to impress other people that night at that winter camp, probably 16, 17 years ago. Never happened again. I don't know if the Lord will ever have me do that again. I'm not expecting to. I'm not planning on it. But the Lord wants to do something because the supernatural is real. It's God's power of how he wants to operate in this world 
is real. So what is the supernatural? I was always told by mentors, supernatural is when his super meets our natural, right? It's that collision where God comes and meets us here on earth. It's when um, what's going on in the unseen manifests itself in the scene, right? Another observation I noticed is that God is powerful. God is very powerful. God is real and God is powerful. Did you notice in that verse 11, it didn't say that Paul did these miracles. It says that God enabled Paul to do these things. It wasn't Paul just being like, yo, I'm going to go ahead and experiment and mix some Bunsen burner beaker chemicals together and boom, we're going to have an anointing. No, God empowered and enabled and equipped Paul just like he does you, just like he does me. And he took the step of faith and he acted out. God is real and God is powerful. The other observation I know is evil is real and evil is powerful. Galatians 5.17. Some of my verses aren't going to be on the, on the screen, but some of them I, I do have. I, I added a bunch after I sent my notes in. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17, so flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the, or contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. The Bible makes it clear that there is a real temptation, a real power, a real something. That it's not opposite to God, because nothing's opposite to God. It just is. But it is contrary to God. Okay? It is an opposing force. There is a real powerful God, and there is real powerful evil. But the next observation I've noticed is God is still supreme above all. Check this out. Another time. When we see a demon-possessed person show up in Scripture, Mark chapter 5, it says that the demon-possessed man saw Jesus from a far-off land, and he, or far-off way, and he came running up to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, don't torture me. Mark chapter 5. This demon-possessed man knew his role. He knew his place. James chapter 2 says, even the demons believe in God and tremble. First John. Chapter four says you says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Well, that's the reality. There is supernatural. God is real. And God is powerful. Evil is real. and Evil is also powerful. But God is still supreme above all. Like that, that that's that's a foundational understanding that all believers have to have. Like, you are in a battle, yes, but you are not in a battle where you're ill-equipped. You're not in a battle where you're behind the eight ball. You're not in a battle where you're weak and, you're, and, you, can be, and, you, and you should be passive and you need to um, uh, take the back seat and get trampled and run over. You operate from position of the victory's already won and the Lord wants you to live out in what he has for you. That requires work. That requires time. Like the Apostle Paul, you might need to plant yourself for two and a half years and, 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 and gird yourself up in the word of God so that you can be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. That's in scripture. But if you're doing that, you're good. I ain't saying you're never going to have a hard day. You'll have hard days. Life will hit you and hit you hard. But you'll be good. A couple more observations. Once we move past that foundation, the kind of the second step would be this. We're invited to participate in the supernatural. 
So what does that mean? Well, I'll, I'll give you this. James, James 5, this is in the, in the, in the slides. Like I said, I, I, I had, this, this was one of those weekends where I kept adding to this, and I just had to tell myself, stop, Eddie, stop. But James 5 says this. It says, is any of you sick? Is any of you not well? You should come to the church and have the elders lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and the sick person will be made well. And it says the powerful, matter of fact, I'll just read the last line. It says this, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James, the author of of this letter, says he invites you. He says you should commune and connect with God. You should come, gather together as a body of Christ and pray. You're invited to participate in all of this. Next thing is, Apart, excuse me, natural power or power apart from supernatural relationship is a counterfeit. Let me say that again. Power apart from a supernatural relationship is a counterfeit. What does this mean? Let me, let, this is really the crux of the entire message. The crux of the entire dialogue is this right here. We as human beings love the idea of power, right? We love the idea of being able to have a magic bullet a silver bullet, a magic gun. We love the idea of being, being able to do and to say and to go and to have things happen and work for us. You see this here in scripture where you had all these people thinking, I've got my way of living. I've got my way of doing things. But when you want power and you try to use power apart from the power source, whatever power you're operating in is a counterfeit, Right? We've got plugs here on stage and around the room. If you were to plug a power strip and an electric keyboard into there, it's going to operate accordingly to how it's supposed to operate. If you plug your phone into your, uh, into your, uh, your cord and plug that cord into the wall, your phone will get charged up. That's one thing. But if you take a, uh, a metal fork and jab it into that outlet, that's a whole different thing. That's power operating in the way it's supposed to, and power operating unchecked, not the way it's supposed to. The Bible makes it crystal clear that power, God wants to give us power, wants us to operate in power, in the scope of his power, but it starts with a relationship. What does it say in that verse? They came and they tried to cast up the evil spirit, and the evil spirit said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know you. Because you don't have a relationship. You can't co-opt power in your own name. You can't put on, uh, you know, I love, if, you, if you've grown up in church, you've read the story of King David, right? When King David, before he's the king and fights Goliath, he goes out to the, to the battlefront to go drop off some lunch to his brothers. And he sees this giant called Goliath. And this giant is, is calling out Israel and calling out uh, uh, all the people of Israel. And he says, how dare he? I'm going to fight this giant that no one else wants to fight. And what's the next thing that happens? The king at the time, a guy named Saul, for those who don't know the story, don't know the conversation. He says, hey, David, take my armor, put it on and go fight this battle. David throws on the armor and David's like, yo, gee, this don't fit me. This isn't how I fight. He takes off the armor. He's like, yo, I'm going to do this my way, the way that I know I've trained and fought and I've done this before. Because when no one was looking, I fought a bear and I fought a lion. When no one was looking, I protected the sheep that I was entrusted with. This giant is no worse than that. 
because I have spent time doing what I needed to do, I know I can now step up on stage and do it. And I don't need armor that doesn't fit me, bro. So many of us think we need to operate in this place of armor that, that doesn't fit us. And we try to put on things that are not part of our story. Like, I don't need you to be Eddie. I need you to be you. I don't need you to be Kurt. I need you to be you. I don't need you to be Marty. I don't need you to be Liz. I need you to be you. The Lord needs you to be you. So many of us want platforms and opportunities and, and, and things because we think that'll validate us. No, what validates you is that you spent time with the Lord two and a half years in Ephesus when no one else was looking, when people tried to fight you like Paul did. You keep reading in, 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 uh, in Acts 19, riots started breaking out when Paul started calling stuff out. But he remained. He just did what he was called to do in the Lord. A couple of scriptures. 1 John 4. We know that if uh, uh, this, we, uh, this is how we know if they have the spirit of God, if a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges Jesus came in real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth of Jesus, that person is not from God. Such person is the spirit of the Antichrist. In other words, simply this. Let's simplify this. If you show up, you can say whatever you want. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't intimately know Jesus, that's a dividing line. If you walk in and saying, hey, whatever, but is it by the Spirit of God because you've had a relationship with God, you spent time with the Lord, that's how you know that person's a prophet. You may not always feel good what they say. And when I say that, don't, don't, don't think capital B prophet, like oh, there can only be one person. That's not what I'm saying. In the scripture, it's not a capital P. This is just anyone who says, I know Jesus, I love Jesus. If the Spirit speaks to you, Corinthians says this, the Holy Spirit searches the innermost, deepest things of God and reveals them to us because you have the mind of Christ. It doesn't say that only specific people have the mind of Christ. It says you do. It says if you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and reveal to you the heart and mind of God. So if you have the heart and mind of God, you have right to speak up and say, man, I'm going to step into a situation. I'm going to lay hands. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to stay and pray. I'm going to do what I got to do to contend and to believe what God wants to do. If you don't have the spirit of God, you ain't got no business doing that because that ain't your place, homie. Uh, in, in Samuel, 1 Samuel, the Bible says that rebellion is like the spirit, of wit, the spirit of witchcraft and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. You know why it says that? It says that because it's always about relationship. He says, yo, it's just as bad to not want to be in relationship with me as if you're doing all this other stuff that these folks are doing. Being stubborn and withstanding me and putting a wall in between you and me might as well be worshiping an idol because at some point in some place in time, the throne of your life, you're putting something on there that's not me. And the Lord's like, if you do that, that breaks the relationship, that puts a crack in the foundation, that fractures the bridge. Not that it's irrecoverable. I can't even say that word. Not that it can never be fixed. But in that moment in time, if you put things up in front of you and me, I can't meet you. I can't touch you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to invite you into this place and this presence. And the Lord's like, don't withstand me. Don't put up walls in between you and me. I want a relationship with you. And here's the thing, church, for being honest, maybe you're not going to be out here casting out demons in weird names or in your own name, 
But we all do things that put walls up between us and God. That's, that's something we all do. Man, I, I, I um, matter of fact, I'll give, uh, I'll, uh, actually, I won't, I won't say that. For the sake of time, I won't say that. because. Uh, um, but my point in saying all that is simply this, church, simply this. Is so many of us want, so many of us want to have the effect. We want the end result. But the Lord's like, it's not about the end result. It's about what time did you spend investing? Are you with me? Do you have a relationship with me? Because if you have a relationship with me, I'm going to give you everything you need, the Bible says, for life and godliness. It's kind of like when the Lord, it's kind of like the Lord saying, you want to play with my toys, but you don't want to come play with me. Hope that makes sense. Supernatural participation has a heavenly purpose. Uh, I was reading a commentary and it said, miracles are a sign of God wanting to restore his creation. You see, we're going to wrap up here. And, um, and I, I struggled. I struggled with how to wrap this up. There's a lot of different elements that come through my way. So, so, so bear with me. I, I think I feel like as worship is going on and Curtin lives, we're talking about Alpha. I'm really excited for Alpha. I'm really excited for Alpha. I have been for a while. I remember that last Alpha we had prior to COVID. I remember looking around the room thinking of how awesome this is and how movement was happening. So what does all this mean? Let's wrap this all up. Number one, here's how we wrap it up. Simply this. We need to all just have an account and say, where is it in my life that I need to reassign who's in charge? I need to put Jesus back on the throne. I need to stop pursuing my own desires and the way I want to do things. Because here's the reality, man. It may not be in the super spiritual mystical stuff. But it's in some way where we all have things in our life where we're like, I'm going to do this my way. And we're like, Lord, you kick it in the back seat. I got the car driving. I got the stick shift moving. I'm going. And then we're like, you know, we're stuck in a dead end. We're mad. We're frustrated, you know. And we're like, oh, why? Right? Because we, we, there's elements of life that we're trying to control what we're doing. And the Lord's like, I don't want you to do that. And, and then the reality is there's other elements of our life where we're not even just trying to control where we go, but honestly, some of us, we've misled people or we've done things that we felt like, man, I feel like the Lord wants this, this, and this. And I'm like, nah, man, sometimes I, I think that's fewer of us because not all of us are in a position to speak into people's lives, but especially with leaders, man. If you're a leader, if you're a teacher, if you're a man or woman of God in a position of authority, it's really important to be careful how you lead people. It's real important that, you know what, I tell people all the time, I've had one or two times, right, maybe more than one or two, but I've had a handful of times where I felt like the Lord told me, hey, Kurt, I feel like this is from the Lord for you. But what I always tell people, and you can actually, I can, you can find my admin, her name is Rachel. I remember I sat with her and I said, hey, I really would love for you to be my admin. I've been praying about this. I didn't say, thus saith the Lord, but this is what I told her. I said, Rachel, here's what I want you to do. I really feel like this could be a great spot for us, for you. Because we need someone with your gift set, your gift mix, your skill set. If anything I have said has interest you, or if you're thinking about it, just do this. In the, in the back of your mind, kind of put it on the top shelf of this shelf of your mind. 
And as you go about life, as you spend some time with the Lord, as you're praying, if you keep coming back to this conversation we've had, that you should be the admin of Lakewood Stilcom Young Life, would you call me and would you talk to me so we can have an additional conversation? And I remember like a month or so later, that was in June, I think it was in July, she calls me and she says, hey, Eddie, after conversation, you asked me to be your administrative assistant. I put it on the back shelf of my mind. And for the next six weeks, I kept walking past it. Every time I prayed, I felt like the Lord was like, you should call Eddie. Every time I read my Bible, I should call Eddie. And, and, and here's the thing. It wasn't about Eddie trying to manipulate and say, this is what should happen, this is what shouldn't happen. I said, Rachel, I want to I trust that the Lord speaks to you. I feel like he might be speaking to me, but I want to trust he speaks to you. So I don't need to be in a position of power. I don't need a position of manipulation. I don't need to be in a position of anything. But if the Lord is going to do something in your life, he's going to reveal it to you. But let me let you know an option that might be on the table should he speak to you. You've got to lead people well. Uh, Henry Blackaby, a great author, he says spiritual leadership. And I don't know why I'm sharing this. Totally wasn't in the plans. He says spiritual leadership is leading people into God's agenda. Where you as the leader, you don't pray, what do I want? You pray, God, what do you want for this person's life? And help me be the catalyst for them to get there. So if you're in a position of leadership or you aspire to be in a position of leadership, you should start operating in that realm of saying, Lord, I want to lead my coworkers, my coworker, John, my coworker, Jane. Lord, I see something that you'd have for them. Lord, would you give me opportunities to speak into their life? Maybe they know Jesus, maybe they don't. But ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have for them? And help me speak into that. I never forget, I had, I, I don't even know I'm saying this, so maybe, maybe this is from, from the Lord for somebody. I remember I was working a job once, and a guy leans over to me. He says, hey, are you a Christian? Never once talking about my faith. But he started asking me these questions. He goes, I knew it. I could just tell. Like, there's something about you. I'm not saying that to brag on Eddie, but I'm saying when you spend time with the Lord, you spend time with the Lord, and you operate in his power, you operate in his structure and his plan, he opens up doors for you. He makes the way. All of a sudden, Tony Brooks is driving from one property they said no to, and you drive past um, the People's Plaza, and Stacy Slater puts in a phone call, and Kurt gets on the line, and Mark Anson gets on the line, and next thing you know, a year and a half later, we're in a building. Because you just got to be lined up, right? You got to be, Lord, what's your plan? What's your focus? Let me be entrenched with you not my own power, not going trying to make a bunch of stuff happen, not trying to tell people what I think they should or shouldn't do, but Lord, let me be so content and so secure in you that as you speak to me, I get opportunities to reveal to other people what you're doing. Like I said, I wasn't planning on going there, so I don't know where that came from. So let's pray and close there. Father, I'm tired, Lord. So I know this is you, not me. I don't have any wise words to share, but I do know that sometimes crazy stuff happens in the Bible. Why do crazy things happen in the Bible? Because you're trying to get our attention. Lord, why do these crazy miracles, these crazy accounts, and these crazy stories happen in the Bible? Because you're trying to reveal to us there's something else going on. In this case, Lord, a, a, a crazy, crazy things happen. Pieces of cloth that touch the skin of the apostle. Healed folks. Some men who thought they were smarter than you were attacked by a, a demon-possessed person. But at the end of the conversation, at the end of the story, at the very end of it all, the people repented 
and the move of God happened. So maybe you're doing something crazy in our lives today. Maybe there's something going on in our lives right now that we have no idea. Why is this going on? Lord, would you remind us to hold on? Because that's only act one of the story. Would you remind us to hold on because we're still in the middle of what you're trying to do. And even though the crazy is happening, even though you're showing up in wild and crazy ways, even though you're doing wild and crazy things, things that we could never ask or imagine. That's what your word says in Ephesians chapter three. You'll do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. While all the crazy stuff is going on, Lord, would you remind us that you're working around us, in us and through us to accomplish something great. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. Would you help us to hold on to you as we tarry and walk through in Jesus' name, amen.